Hello everyone and welcome along to another episode of Unplayable. This is Connor and I'm joined by Cooper Nolan. Uh, delighted to say Dave and Joe have returned from their holiday in Spain, still recovering from a week of San Sangria and San Miguel. Um, quite a lot to get through. Last week was a good one on all major tours. And we have the President's Cup on this week from Quell Hollow. We've got the first ladies Irish Open in 10 years. Let's start with the PGA Tour event in California last week. Cooper, Danny Willett stole the Masters from Jordan Spieth back in 2016 when Spieth had that meltdown at the 12th. The golfing gods got some revenge on him last week. They certainly did. Um, yeah, like Willis, um, I think we've, we've spoken about him here. Um, well, I have kind of, I, I thought he was going to do well a few weeks ago. Um, knew, knew there was a, a bit of a bit of form there after the Alfred um, or the Al, Albert Dunhill Alfred Dunhill links um, win last year, um, and really starting to get a put his put his game together pretty well. Um, like just before getting to the the eighteenth green, um, like on the on the Friday, I think he held one hundred and twenty feet of putts. Like if you're holding one hundred feet of putts a day, you're probably going to be in contention on Sunday. So he's putting really well um throughout the week and he was i think 90 feet through like 10 or 11 holes on the on the sunday so like he he was just playing really good golf striking the ball really well putting really well which is unlike him for the most part and puts himself in the absolute perfect position and then the, the last the last 10 minutes of 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 the fortnight were some of the wildest minutes of golf i think i've ever seen and not really, not a massive exaggeration. I don't think for anyone that watched it. Um, but poor Willis, yeah, he um, he, he just he, even after Homer chipped in, uh, which we'll touch on Homer in a bit. But he, he was still smiling and laughing. It was, it was as if he kind of he was four or five shots clear. Larry walking up the the 18th and poor Rush, like just smiling, knowing he'd won it. And then he just, I think it's the thing all all golfers kind of just like have nightmares about hoping it'll never happen and uh three puts from i think three foot was the first put and fourth put, foot was the second put um like obviously he was very gracious afterwards he shook hands of max and uh, he went off and he gave a really good interview afterwards actually really kind of um i'm, I'm just happy i'm in the position i'm in to be able to uh, win competitions um uh, a really nice post on twitter afterwards as well but Jesus, that that must have been. If if he if he goes out and kind of comes back from this and plays well, similar to like a a McElroy in Ma, in the Masters and comes back then and uh, bounces back in a positive way, great. And I really hope he does. But yeah, that is it's tough to take. For anyone who, who um, Willett was walking up the last par five with a one shot lead, he. Hits a lovely wedge on to, as Cooper says, three feet. Holman misses the green with a second shot into a bunker. Hits his bunker shot a little bit fat, and he's left of the green hitting his fourth shot. Willis got a one-shot lead. He's putting from three feet for birdie, and Holman is off the green in a tough spot chipping. Holman chips in, and then Willis three puts to lose by a shot. Um, Joe, has anything like that ever happened to you on the 18th of a, of a tournament? I'm sure it has happened many times but i've blocked it out uh as as danny will it will probably try and do now um yeah no it was it was crazy to watch i was kind of just ready to you know it was late sunday night i think it was uh in california so it was uh it was late and you know i was ready to turn it off and then you know watching that unfold first of all how much chipping in but then what will it did um first of all i suppose as well for homeless chip he did have the advantage of being able to place it so he, he you know it was preferred lies on sunday and you know for 
an upslope chip being able to place it. He pulled off a miraculous shot, obviously, but that was a serious advantage to have. Um, but then, yeah, Willett's first putt was was uh, aggressive. His uh, his second putt was just a sign of you know nerves missed on the low side from from whatever five feet. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was actually difficult to watch, but delighted for Max Homa. He's definitely one of the good guys. Um, and in fairness, he was very gracious, and he, he he kind of held back with celebrations when he uh, when Will missed the putt, so he wasn't uh, he wasn't jumping in in Danny's face or anything like that uh, with his caddy. He kind of waited until afterwards. Um, but yeah, for for home in it, that's what that's four wins in his last forty one starts. There's no one who has more in in that number of uh, appearances. You know, you're including Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay. Um, in in singles events anyway um and then he's a five-time winner now so for a guy that everyone sees as obviously like the funny guy and you know you know nice guy he's he's showed that he's like a very serious contender and and someone that shouldn't be uh you know forgotten about and uh yeah no i'm looking forward to to seeing how he kicks on from here uh he's yeah. he's, he's he's got a good record of quail hollow as well so um definitely keep an eye out from this week yeah, like even on just um, on home, like it's a small bit of background. Like four years ago, he was on the Corn Ferry Tour and he it was the last tournament of the season and he had to birdie his last four holes just to keep his card. So like a guy who literally was about to go back to Q School now has five wins on the BJ Tour. And as Joe said, four in the last 41, three in the last 24. Like he's form-wise at least. Um, I know some of these, uh, some of the fields are a bit lighter, but... He, he's he, yeah as joe said he's not just a funny man on twitter he's one of the best players in the world now um and he did say as well uh, there was some comments made about his um his place on the presence uh, cup that he didn't deserve it and if live wasn't a thing he wouldn't be on it so he said he had a bit of a chip on the shoulder going into uh going into this week so i'd say that really helped him on um not that it really matters to homa because he has a few wins um but the the, the four and it's actually worth it's worth quite a lot to a player if you were to win it randomly and i think danny willett might slot into that category bar bar the masters uh, invite but it's 500 fedex cup points fully exempt through to the 25 season and then a spot in the century the players the masters and the and the pga so like it's it's fairly valuable if willett had won it and yeah he 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 uh, he's he's been missing a few cuts this year and he, he hasn't really kind of stood out on the pga tour so it would have been it would have been a really nice win for him so you have to nearly feel for him a bit more for that yeah dave taking nothing away from max home i think max home is uh, a good blow but i i find i find danny willett's very likable character um and he obviously won his masters back in 2016 and um in that sense you could almost say that he's overachieved but um you'd certainly feel a bit sorry yeah maybe i mean he he's a fairly he's a fairly bland character um he's not does not does not there's not a whole lot about danny willard i think he was the most disappointing masters winner outside of patrick reed of the past decade um i think he was clear he clearly got rattled obviously by by homeless chip in because the chip in was it was it was going at a bit of speed as well like it wasn't it wasn't exactly rolling like a put into the hole i'd say he said himself i think afterwards that while he expected to go in even when it happens you're still shocked and i i wonder does he just wish he kind of took a little bit longer to kind of to kind of process it because it's only actually when you and, and as well as that's only when you look at the side on where there was a side on angle of of the putty had left like you realize how how much he raced it past i mean it was really it was really ultra aggressive and a bit of a pull in terms of put for the win and i think he might have been better he might have been better with not not necessarily a lag up to the hole it is from three foot but something that was kind of either going to drop in or stay there and, and live to fight another day in a playoff and um, he certainly didn't endear himself or his brother didn't endear danny to the american fans back in 2016 so i'm quite certain that max Holma was a popular winner um for various different reasons on that side of the atlantic yeah but what do you do in that type of scenario like you've you've three foot to win like the, the sports psychologists would all say like you you can't be thinking about the one back in that situation like you just have to you have to bang it in and and uh collect the trophy 
Well, you probably shouldn't murder it and pull it five foot past the hole. I mean, that's, uh, I don't think there's any, is there any sports psychologist in the world that's going to tell you to do that? I mean, I'm, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm no Bob Rotella, but I don't think that that's in any manual anywhere. Yeah, it's probably a fair point. Um, did you see Jimmy Walker playing for the first time in, in years? Um, for anyone who doesn't know his backstory, it's actually a pretty interesting one. He after he won his um his PGA a few years ago, again probably quite a forgettable bloke to be fair. But he got uh, Lyme's disease, oh, and um, it just I I don't know all that much about it, but it's it's one of these things that just like it it affects your your energy. I think throughout the course of the day, and you basically he he completely lost his game, um. And, but yeah, I think he got it from like some sort of, um, I don't know, you, you get it from bit, being bitten by a tick or something, which reminds we were, me of We were warned about that in Rhode Island Con. Yeah, exactly. That's what that made me think about it. Like when we were caddying in, uh, in, in Newport, Rhode Island for somewhere, we, there was ticks all over the golf course. I remember these these rich folk were just telling us to go in and look for their golf balls and us wearing shorts and we didn't get bloody Lyme's disease but the the thing with with um walker because some of the live players have left it's allowed walker uh, a spot to try earn his his card back so he had given up the game basically and because a few of these guys had left um he's now got a chance to, to try win his card so i think he's got a limited starts um but yeah i thought it was it was it was pretty interesting to see him knocking about is that is that your best attempt at a at a live feel good story? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, and also, good to see Ricky Fowler get off to a decent start in his his his, his FedEx Cup. He he was one hundred eighty fifth in the world coming into last week and uh, a little tied sixth. He's a man who who would definitely like to be heading to Quail Hollow this week. A new coach, new caddy. He's yeah, got, I, he's got Butch back. Yeah, he's Butch. Am I am I right in saying like, have you have you guys like did did, did you watch him or on Twitter see his swing? Like his swing is a lot less. You know, Ricky was always like really really flat at the top of the backswing. He looks uh yeah. It looks like he's actually changed his swing. Maybe he maybe he has over over the last few months. Um, kind of a a new setup or or a new a new goal in mind. But it looks a lot a lot better. And God, he was, yeah, there was one, he was one of the only, I think he's one of two players to eagle and um, one of the par fives in the back nine um, as well. Like he's, he's hitting the ball a serious dig. Um, but yeah, he was just edged out of the top five. I think uh, Lauer, he's actually a really, really interesting guy as well. Who, who's come through the kind of back door onto the PGA Tour. Um, I'm pretty sure he's sponsored by the No Laying Up guys as well. Um, but um, yeah, he just edged Ricky out of the top five. Serious performance. Yeah, he's another mm -hmm. man that got in uh, by virtue of the the live guys, um, basically quitting the PGA Tour because he finished one twenty seven, I think, on FedEx Cup uh, there in August. And was it he missed that he missed that power put on the last, and he was in floods of tears, you know, in his interview after. It turns out because Tom Kim won, it didn't matter. He he finished two places out. But anyway, long story short, he he got in because of the, the live guys and finished, I think, was it solo fourth or tied fourth? Um, and picked up, I think it was 360,000 and it's half his career PJ Tour earnings. So, nice. yeah. So that's a, a great week for him. Fair play. Um, we'll move on to the Italian Open. Cooper, we got our first look at next year's Ryder Cup course any initial thoughts on it yeah really like i guess as all all good kind of rider cup um courses a really really good finish um that 18th is, the, is an absolute animal um but if you if conditions are all right and you you launch one down um you, you have a good risk reward shot there so again just perfect for match play uh that part 317 is an absolute monster as well it seemed like it was very hard to hold the green there so again um yeah you playing for the middle of the green or risking it bouncing near the pin and running through into shit so yeah no it just um it looks amazing anyway um and i guess it's going to be around this time of year as well so 
if the weather is as good as it was this week, uh, I think we're we're absolutely set up um, for a for a great venue. Um, but yeah, it was it was cool to see um, a few guys up the top who uh, will probably be representing us. Um, none more, none more so than the King of Scotland, um, who, yeah, really was really really impressive. Um, I guess there's, there's a, a few a few ways to look at it. Um, whether it was him going out and actually winning uh, on the Sunday, or was there a certain um, man from Northern Ireland who once again just pissed away a, a chance of an easy win at a at a course we thought he'd be taking it very seriously. Um, Victor Prez was there as well, um, uh, the, the Frenchman who I think is going to go very well this week in in, in Paris. Um, but like it was a yeah, just a really a really good tournament, but. You only had to listen to Robert McIntyre afterwards um, as to how much it meant for him. Like he said, his goal for twenty twenty three is Ryder Cup, so he couldn't have made a bigger statement on the on the venue course um, a year out uh, than he did. So absolutely delighted for him. Yeah, he uh, he split his time last year. Like I remember Harrington commenting after Dave the um, the Ryder Cup last year. Bob McIntyre was. In a pretty strong position to qualify for for Europe, and then he decided to have a go at his PGA Tour card while also trying to compete in Europe, and it just didn't work out for him. But he's, and I think he said his game's been in a pretty bad place two or three months ago. But he's kind of, um, well, obviously he's 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 found a bit of form. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> he was he was in danger of falling away there, and I think. He, he made such an impressive start to his career and, and he really had fallen off the side of a cliff over the last kind of six to nine months. I think there was a, a bit of me was kind of wondering, was he going to be a little bit of a beef character? Like he was being really bigged up on Sky Sports. He's kind of, you know, different, left-handed, young, straight-talking Scotsman, which obviously Sky Sports were eating up. And I was a little bit afraid for him that he was going to, you know, just turn out to be a bit of a flash in the pan. But as you say, he, he really, really, really did struggle with his game. And he actually he actually swapped he actually moved coaches there during the summer around the time of the Scottish Open, moved to a golf coach with an incredibly unfortunate name, Mr. Simon Shanks is uh, Bob McIntyre's new coach. Which, there, there, there's so much to unpack there. I mean, I just find it incredible that in a game as superstitious as golf, that Simon Shanks is able to earn his living as a PGA professional. But not only that, I mean, it, with all due respect to Mr. Shanks, he's obviously made a, a big impact in a short period of time on on Bob McIntyre's game. And um, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding. He's he's a winner on tour within within two months of Simon Shanks taking over uh, take, taking over the controls of his game. So uh, that was that was the most that was the most uh, interesting thing I read all week about golf. To be honest, I. <laughs> <laughs> No, he did. Yeah, he made. Was in last, as he said, um, Dave, I think it was nine to twelve months. He did mention in the interview that um, I think it was around six to three months ago. He'd just been completely doubting himself, like had he made the right decisions in his career, and that probably is what he did last year. Kind of not fully committed to the European Tour, maybe trying to bite off more than he could chew. I don't blame him for for trying that, um, but. Yeah, I'd say it just. He probably thought he would get into the European Ryder Cup team anyway, and yeah, just bad bad decisions um but no he he, he just he he definitely was down down and out um for a few months um not so long ago so to see him lift the trophy is amazing and it was it was um it was funny to watch his reactions in the in the back of the uh, or in the tent because he was obviously finished a lot earlier than the than the than the leading group and they were he was just like it was as if he was just back in the club chatting about food. Like it was this guy had the mics on them and he was talking about pudding. It was, it was very funny for a while. Um, but yeah, it's just I'd say he's a really cool guy to have a beer with. Um, yeah, and Joe, the both both Rory and Matt Fitzpatrick, super consistent all season. I mean, they can kind of just rock up to these events and just contend. Yeah, definitely. And like a lot of expectation, obviously, on them, but I don't think these guys feel it um i know this respect obviously to this event but especially especially in something like this i think maybe in the majors they 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 feel a bit more but but uh yeah Matt Fitzpatrick's a funny one he was i think he part his first 10 holes on on sunday uh but 
I, I just caught some of the highlights actually, and he, he hit the hole with a good few of his birdie puts. He did get quite unfortunate uh, with a couple of them. And then was it the 11th? He decided he'd have to take it a different way and just drove the green on that drivable par four, but he took it on the shortest angle. And it kind of shows as well how his game has changed this year. He's actually become a powerful player. Like before 2022, we never would have talked about Matt Fitzpatrick as kind of a, a bomber and someone who would kind of take apart par fours uh, by driving the green. But um, it was it was very impressive to see. And uh, no, he gave it he gave it a good run. Um, but I'm definitely I wouldn't have minded Fitzy winning, but I'm I'm happy for uh, for McIntyre winning. And uh, Rory, yeah, obviously the the 16th kind of undid him. I think he made three birdies and four just before that. So he kind of, he, he, again, we've, we've, we've referenced this a good few times, just looking at his body language on that front nine, he didn't look like he was interested or that he was going to do anything. And then was it 11, 12 and 14, he, you know, rattles off a couple of good birdies and he missed a couple of really good chances before that. And I think 13 might've been a good chance for him as well. But yeah, put in the water in 16 and that kind of, you know, put paid to his, his chances, but another, yeah, another top finish. It's but you know, I'd, I'd say that means as much to him probably as you know finishing, you know, tied thirtieth. So um, yeah, no, it was good watch, good course, and like Cooper, you know, had said as well to like it will be will be good for the Ryder Cup. Those those finishing holes, the the eighteenth, you know, obviously if matches make it to that, but if you've got a couple of tight matches coming down that stretch, seventeen and eighteen. You're going to need to hit very good golf shots to uh to, to win those holes so definitely looking forward to it bit bit disappointed with the crowds on sunday is one thing i don't know if you noticed there wasn't wasn't a huge amount of people there but i think um golf in italy is is you know it's it's still at a kind of not a starting point but it's got a long way to go so i'm sure the Ryder cup will do do a lot for that i don't want to i don't want to fucking really dig into macro in there and but that that par four 16 you're talking about joe like i think it's 280 something meters long and he had a three wood in his hand and he was coming off a hot streak in contention and he just blocks it into the middle of a lake like it was he just uh, on top of double bogey in the first hole as well like we seem to talk about it every week and hopefully when april rocks around and he's somehow managed to keep a clean scorecard all week and win win the masters um until he until he really puts a a full round of golf together a full tourney of golf together full 72 holes he just can't help himself and i i don't know what i don't know what he needs to do to to break the habit of just handicapping himself every time he goes out yeah dave it's like he um he starts with that double bogey and then he can just kind of go and play the rest like a bit of a zombie and then he can make a load of birdies in a row and comes to 16 where he's right there in contention and and um i mean it's very hard to dissect it because he's probably at that italian open just on a scouting mission anyway just to have a look at the golf course i can't imagine he's all that concerned about whether he wins the italian open or not but it is still strange how you know first tee you can imagine a little bit of jitters and he, he doesn't do the business and then he finally just gets himself into contention with three holes to go pressure tee shot on 16 and it's like he just wakes up and realizes where he is it, there's no question that once the shackles are taken off so to speak that he does seem to play a little bit freer and i mean obviously there's no better example of that than the tour championship a few weeks ago but if there was one thing i would say about rory is that there has there has to be an element of fatigue um setting in with him i mean it's been a long season he's played a lot of golf he's played a lot of golf recently so i'd be willing to give him somewhat of a free pass but the only thing i will say is that this thing this kind of thing does happen too often and it doesn't always just happen under pressure as well like I, even if i think back to saturday afternoon in the italian open i mean he had a will at s3 put from about three foot for the i think it's the par five twelfth. i think uh, he had a birdie put from three foot and he walks off with a six like, I think it's just this this kind of lack of concentration kind of creeps in with him. And I mean, you could say you could say it's pressure because it does happen in pressurized situations, but it also does seem to happen, you know, during during the middle of rounds when things aren't really that tight. Um, but I'm sure he, I'm sure he was disappointed. I mean, I'm sure ultimately it was a scout mission, as you said. And, you know, the Italian Open isn't really going to, you know, light up his CV. But at the same time, he was there and in contention. And I'm sure he would like to, 
to, to have gotten it over the line. And as I say, winning is a habit. So, I mean, yeah. the more times you put yourself in contention, the more times you get over the line, the more comfortable we are going to become in that scenario. So I don't think he will have walked off the course for the second week in a row, to be fair, thinking this is this this was just fine. This was a good week for me. I think the fact that he didn't win either at Wentworth or in Italy is going to be something that, that has annoyed him. And, and, and you know, it, it, it ultimately might turn out to be a good thing. Maybe it might be... You know, it, as we said before, the, the Tour Championship may have kind of put a bit of rose-tinted glasses on his season, and maybe this might be a little bit of a wake-up call for him that over the winter he still needs to keep doing a lot of work to, to make sure that he gets back to winning majors um, next season, as we all expect him to. Um, but, yeah, it, 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 there's no question it is a strange one. Like, it, 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 it's, very hard to, it's very hard to put your finger on, and it's happened for so many years. Uh, and it also seems to happen randomly, because some weeks he can just blitz a field and not make these mistakes in the number of weeks his card is littered with them yeah it's it, like on one sense i find it very very difficult to criticize rory because like he's over the last 10 12 years been the, probably the, the best most consistent player in the world but he just doesn't win at the rate that you want him to win like when he's in contention there he just uh, foolish to compare him to tiger but in those situations tiger just would have always won and, and rory just doesn't get it get it done yeah, like if, if, if larry if larry was having the results McIlroy had every week we'd be <laughs> like oh my god he's playing so well it's just we, we expect so much from him like even like on data golf uh, McIlroy, that the the gap between McIlroy and cam smith so one and two on the data golf rankings is bigger than cam smith from second to twelfth so like he just statistically he's absolutely miles ahead of everyone else but as dave said it's just these fucking random kind of blips or lax lapse laps and laps in concentration that just pop up at random times we'll have to move on from that joe there was a a brilliant live event in, in chicago those goddamn four aces stopped yeah i watched even less than i watched last time and last time i watched one playoff hole um i tuned in lucky too late on the on the on the sunday night because i had watched i think the 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 pga tour event um and they were just i think arlo white was like i'm gonna take a while to get over how exciting this was and that and like i hadn't watched it but uh, you know um i've no doubt um that's slightly false but um, I, for anyone who who didn't uh, see all that much of it, it was won by Cam Smith. DJ uh, was in the mix. Wacky Neiman was was in the in the mix. Um, Cooper, you could you could say a win for Cam Smith was a, a win for the good guys. Yeah, well, uh, a, a win for the good guys got tossed around all right um, that weekend when when Taylor Gooch, who um, was somehow fucking beaten by pat perez was still up celebrating on the on the stage after the four aces claimed victory in chicago um he uh he also whether it was kind of stupidly on his part or um i guess maybe in the spur of the moment he, he took a self a video selfie on the stage and uh he him and him and perez and dj um who's the fourth on that team Reed. Reed, oh. Jesus, fucks. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, so the four boys up there, champagne popping, confetti flying, and he turns around, and all you can see in the back of the camera is one of the live staff members trying to rile up the crowd because no one fucking gives a shit. <laughs> so he literally like put that up then, and the caption was, "Oh, the good guys win again," or something like that, like a direct fucking stab at Larry. Who said when he won a Wentworth, this feels like a win for the good guys. So yeah, it, it's it's. I think we said it last week. It's getting more and more talks every week, and it seems to be getting worse. And it's amplified by the the the, the live letter uh, into the official World Golf Rankings as well. I'm sure we'll touch on that. But yeah, just week to week, it's getting worse. No one cares who wins between a shootout match between Cam Smith and DJ. No one cares about the four aces. Like, I think they they're trying to cling on to this. Look at five hundred thousand people tuned in over the course of the competition. It's like there's more people tuning into the Angeles on RT One 
and there is fucking tuning in live. And well, they're clinging onto these numbers that they think are like unbelievable. And it's yeah, I'm just sick of the live bots at this stage. Like the Chicago was the worst event for them by a mile, in my opinion. Um, it's just I I don't know where they're going next or when they're when they're playing next, but they've they've gone they're they're after taking the first step down a slippery slope um after boston in my opinion you mentioned the letter there so 50 live players have signed a letter to the head of the official world golf rankings peter dawson in that letter they have requested to include retroactively world ranking points for live events meaning that not only do they want points to apply going forward uh, but the world rankings should take into account previous live events. Now, I, I'm sure some people listening have a good understanding of how the world rankings work. But for those that don't, so the the weighting given to each tournament for world rankings is done on a strength of field basis. So there are there are points on offer on various tours all over the world, including the Japan Tour, Corn Ferry Tour, and of course the PGA Tour and, and DP World Tour. Given it's based on the strength of field playing on each of those tours in a given week, I mean, like, obviously, the Japan Tour offers less points than the PGA Tour, for example, and, like, the majors and World Golf Championships obviously offer the, the most. And I think there's a total of 23 tours including included in the official World Golf Rankings. So Liz's argument uh, here to Peter Dawson, Dave, is that... There's there's no way in hell that the, the strength of their field is worse than the likes of Japan Tour, which is a very legitimate argument. You could certainly argue the case that it's not as strong as the PGA Tour, but regardless, um, given some of the the quality of players involved, they feel they should be getting world rankings. Um, however, there are some requirements that apply to any tour to get world rankings, which include um, 72 hole minimum except for de developmental tours like the Alps Tour Euro Pro, there must be open qualifying at the start of each season, i.e. Q school. And then the field size has to have an average of 75 players over the course of the season. Um, there was also another one that said 36-hole cut is a minimum requirement, but I think that's a bit questionable because some um, World Golf Championship events don't have 36-hole cuts. Dave, do these boys have a chance of getting world ranking points? Unfortunately, they probably do, um, because of the 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 names that are now being mentioned in these kind of letters, the likes of Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, etc. But it would take a it would take a complete overhaul of the the World Golf Ranking system based on the fact that there has been a breakaway tour that's been funded by by Saudi money and and. Like I just don't understand. I don't understand how these letters keep these kind of letters, lawsuits, etc., keep getting through. Not only the solicitors, but the the PR teams, because I mean, it's 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 embarrassing. Like I mean, it, it was it, it's almost like it was written by a petulant teenager. Um, like they have not met any of the criteria for their events to be recognised. Um, for World Golf ranking points, they are just listing off. I don't know. If anyone who's read the letter, it's, it's it's available online or on Twitter. But like, they're just listing off random examples, like Argentina leaving Argentina, Belgium out of the World Cup. Well, like, that's actually a complete and utter nonsense of an argument because for the World Cup, you actually have to qualify to get into it. So it's not just like on an arbitrary basis, FIFA can just l leave teams out. Like at the end of the day, these we've we've been through this so many times. These players have decided to leave. BJ Tour or the DP World Tour or whatever tour for one reason and one reason only and that's money and it's a case of now that they're looking to, to have their cake and eat it and as I think we said a couple of weeks ago I think the penny's finally starting to drop with them that actually if they don't get World Golf ranking points for this for these live events they may not be allowed back in majors or they may not even qualify for majors in the future particularly those who haven't won majors and have those exam have those exemptions I mean the the example they actually give in their letter is that Dustin Johnson has fallen from 13th to 22nd in the World Golf Rankings since he since he left um, since he left the PJ Tour to go to live, and that's obviously Johnson who's who's eligible to play in majors. So I think there is a significant amount of of worry, and I think Greg Norman is 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 heading off to Congress as well this week or next week to to try and plead his case there. I mean, 
that's another one that's just straight out of the Donald Trump handbook. I mean, just when in doubt, just go crying to Congress and see what happens. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think, unfortunately, as I, as I said at the beginning, like I think, unfortunately, they probably will end up getting getting ranking points for these events. But you know, why should why should the world of rankings be completely overhauled to suit these live guys? I, like I don't understand. Like it's literally, it's it's like going into a different kind of sport. I'm not sure what a what a great example is, but maybe the maybe the sal or the transfer or the salary cap even in in NFL maybe, um, if you were to spend an unlimited amount of money on a team and you wanted to bring in all the best players from all over the world or from all over the the, the US, and you were like, oh well, God, we we've got all this money and we've got all these good players, but we want to bring in more good players and we want to like just like literally needing the entire infrastructure or the, the 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 basis for what has kind of made the sport not fair but like the, the rules that have been there for years we need to completely overhaul them because it doesn't suit us and i think the reason norman is kind of panicking now is exactly that davies i think there's there's a few red flags to to some of the guys there who he probably made promises to saying yeah don't worry we'll get the world golf rankings on board they're 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 basically there already anyway I, i'd say there's a few of those kind of um um i guess potential lies flying around and um, just to coax uh, a few of the lads that the neiman's the um the the gooch is in because as you said like uh, if you're if you're an actual golfer and you you give a shit about golf majors are the PGA Tour is, is uh, we would have thought anyway, a big part of uh, a golfer's career, but the majors are the pinnacle. Um, and I think there's a few guys very afraid now. And the letter, as incoherent as it is, it, it yeah, it seems a bit uh, a bit panicked. Joe, do you want to see these boys? Would you like to see Neiman, Patrick Reeves, DJ, Tom Smith play majors going forward? Uh, I don't want to see anyone getting world ranking points that's uh, gone to live um doesn't directly answer like i think that taking away their major exemption is another question but um i think someone who falls outside uh the top 50 completely deserves it i don't think the djs and all them are gonna are gonna be banned for from the masters for the next three years because he's got the five-year exemption but absolutely no way should they get world ranking points for live events um they you know it's it's not a meritocracy there's no qualifying and um, there's you know there's amounts contracts that are you know even if you win prizes it's already paid out to you in advances from the contract um and yeah it just goes against everything you know that the, the game is built on i think um so yeah the problem is as well if they let the uh if they let the live guys get world ranking points then it's gonna open up loads of other guys to come because it's got you know there's people waiting in the wings just watching this and you know if they don't get world rankings they'll hold off but if they do then they might say well hold on you know this is this is a completely different uh, scenario now if i can if i can play in the majors but um yeah definitely definitely don't think they should uh 54 holes obviously shotgun start to be honest that's as much a reason to to not give them uh points um and uh yeah there's 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 lots of lots of different reasons but um they know when they agreed to go to live they knew what they were getting into and i think you know not playing in the majors is exactly what they deserve well the only the only thing they, they probably will address in the next i'm not sure maybe next season they, they have talked about qualifying mm. or some sort of qualification process um but like if they are to go i think we said our dave said last week like the Roman numerals live like 54 is their identity, I guess. So they're they've kind of pin hooked themselves into those 54 hole tours. And then I guess there's a tiny argument to be made that the Euro Pro Tour is 54 holes. So okay, you can leave that out. But when you have the 54 hole tournaments and a no cut and a shotgun start, you can't really have any more than 48 people. So they literally won't be able to get 75 people on a golf course or the average of 75. Um with the format that they have so like they're gonna have to fundamentally change the way they're playing golf to meet these requirements and i just hope for golf's sake that the world golf rankings don't budge and kind of force them really just force them to uh to do it um 
One other thing that really fucking annoyed me this week was uh, have you seen Patrick Reed's schedule over the last month? So he's gone from uh, Boston to London to Chicago to Paris in four weeks for a man who wanted to spend more time with family and said he was playing too much golf. He was also in a he was also in Asia last month as well. Like, Literally, like, I, like I, don't, I wouldn't even give I wouldn't even give any like I wouldn't give as I said before I wouldn't give any credence to anyone who said anything other than it's for the money. Yeah. And also, I, did, I, I didn't realize Hank Haney had taken over hosting this podcast. That was a, a shockingly loaded question that you gave Joss there. Would you like to see these guys playing in majors? Like, it's not, it's not, it's not his decision. Of course, you'd like to see these guys playing in majors, but they've made their decisions. Like, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's not like it's framing that as if, like, you know, oh, the poor, the poor guys, you know, they're not allowed in the majors. I mean, they've made their choice. I suppose, though. For you as a spectator, would you like to see these guys playing on Sunday at the Masters in contention or not? Well, Hank, I would rather they hadn't gone to live in the first place. I mean, I see, like, don't put that on me. I would love to see Cam Smith and Dustin Johnson competing in the Masters in April, but I would love to see them doing it having not joined this breakaway nonsense. I mean, like, that's that's the answer to that question. And if they're not playing in Augusta, in April, but then that's the only person's the only people whose fault that is is their own. Um, and also, I wouldn't be so sure that uh, I wouldn't be so sure that the Masters won't ban the the former champs because they, they, they might have to take a hit on the likes of DJ. But they also get to get rid of Patrick Reed. Remember, so like, you know, <laughs> it might be uh, it mightn't be the the worst case scenario for them to just get rid of uh, the for, the former Masters champs. Please, Sergio as well. Sergio be another one, but I also you know. It would be lovely to see Sergio spin the ball back into the lake multiple times on 15 again. I suspect, like any negotiation, give and take. I, I, I'm sure there's a few things that Liv wouldn't move on, like their, say, the 54 holes or whatever. Oh no, it's not a negotiation. It's 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 a bunch of it's it's a bunch of live players writing an open letter to the head of the over like the golf the the official golf world rankings. Peter Dawson, they're not negotiating with Liv on this, like. This is not this is not a thing. Like this is just something that they've they've written in. I mean, there there's there's clear criteria that's set out that they're not meeting. So I mean, where what's their negotiating position here? I mean, it's like me it's like me showing up to the the mid amateur and saying, "Well, I play off seven. Let me in." <laughs> no, sorry, Dave, you can't get in because you don't meet the handicap criteria. Please go away. But it's literally it's 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 bully tactics and it shows kind of who they've gone into better recently in Donald Trump. It's it just copy and paste kind of just keep going like get or, or just keep causing a storm, keep fucking getting on someone's back about something, even if like as you said, it's literal rules. Like it's <laughs> they're 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 carved into stone and it's like no, you just have to rub out that one. Just uh, will you change that one for us, please? Um, I think they did think. I, I genuinely, as delusional as he might be, I think Norman did think they would do that once he got the names, and because mm. he literally had the bottomless pockets, he would get some good names or get enough names for them to change it. And to be fair to him, he probably he probably has. Um, like he, he it's a it's a great field, and it's going to be very sad to see a lot of those lads not play majors. But yeah, I'm totally with with them um, with the boys. Um, yeah, it's it, if they're given world ranking points, it's a slap in the face for golf. It would be a blow to see Norman get a, a little win like that, and his his level of arrogance will just increase if they um if if they they win that particular battle and then they get their world ranking points. Um, but let's see what let's see what happens. I mean, it'll be interesting to see Peter Dawson could. He could take the uh, uh, take a stand and say absolutely not. These are the rules. Piss off. Um, or he could say something along the lines of, "No, in order to qualify for world ranking points, you need to have open qualifying at the start of the season and one or two other things." And then Greg Norman turns around and says, "Done. Let's do that. We're in." You know, that'd be your that'd be your dream, would it? <laughs> Genuinely, like not like I know I know I'm asking <laughs> question, but like. I don't know. To to answer the question I asked to Joe about do I want to see Cam Smith and, and DJ and stuff there on a on a major Sunday? Yes, I absolutely do. Selfishly as a as a fan, um, but equally, 
if these guys were naive enough to believe that that they were guaranteed to get world ranking points when they went across, like that's absolutely their fault if they don't get it, you know. And part of the reason they took the big jump in pay was because this was always a risk. You're you're getting paid basically because you're um you don't have you're you're not guaranteed the things that that you can get when you go via the PGA Tour route. So their compensation has to reflect that. And so yeah, I think they would be naive to have believed if if Greg Norman was in their ear telling them, oh no, we're gonna get world ranking points, don't worry about it. Come join us. Um that would be I I wonder if this I wonder if this is the possibility to get Messi on the live side as well. I mean it feel it really does feel to me like they've opened Pandora's box of money and in the midst of all the dollars flying at them, they've missed a few of the terms and conditions. And like if Norman has kind of verbally promised them the sun, moon and stars outside of the money and he's not able to deliver it, I just wonder how long how long these guys are going to be willing to stay with Liv and not and not make the majors. That's why I think it's really important if if the likes of Peter Dawson and, and these guys at the at the World Golf Rankings, um, if they care about the future of the game or the history of the game, I think it's very important they take a stand here. Um, because we're already seeing it. I mean, we're probably, I'm going to take Hank's job here for a second. Um, we're probably going to, like, you're you're already seeing how much it's ruined. I mean, we're, we're, we're no doubt going to talk about something that it's already ruined that's coming up this week, the President's Cup. Um, and it, ha- it only has the potential to ruin more events in golf, such as the Ryder Cup, etc. Um, so it, I think I just think it's really important for, for them to take a stand here. I will just say one, one, one. I know we've talked way too much about Liv, <laughs> but uh, again, is, is there is there a is there an angle, say two months down the line, where Jay Monahan comes out and they've been denied the world ranking points, the the events are going downhill, all the international events, they're just team thing hasn't caught on, and Jay says for the next four weeks whoever went to live is welcome to rejoin the PGA tour for the, for the new season. Uh, but yeah, sorry, maybe not four weeks, two weeks, you have a window of 14 days to reapply as a PGA tour member and cut all ties with live. I, I think that could be very interesting because it, if he's teased it out, if Greg has kind of, if, if it doesn't work exactly how he wants and a few lads start getting nervous, I wonder who would jump ship or are they really, I know they they all have some of them have equity in the in the teams and whatever, but I, I think it's the first time I've I felt like they're getting a bit nervous now. Uh, the letter just it it, it screams the panic. Um, so yeah, I wonder is there a, is there some sort of a play on the PGA Tour side to I guess go on the offensive for once, like take back take back France. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I maybe some players the lower players i mean your, your larry canters of the world possibly don't have it written into their contract where they they can't jump ship back but the likes of the big dogs i'm sure like norman has them by the balls and just i, I can't imagine that they would take that opportunity but it'd be interesting to see um we should probably move on because we spent way too much time on live um ladies irish open at tremoland um dave leona heavy favorite I think I saw her three to one. Is that is that right? Yeah, I think she's uh, three to one, seven to two, um, that kind of price. I mean, she's she's the clear standout in a in a in a very limited field. Um, it'd be interesting to see if she's able to lead from the front. I mean, mentioned on numerous occasions that she finds it difficult to put four rounds together. So, you know, in 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 a field where she's the big fish, it'd be nice to see her out and and, and perform as such. Um, I know some people here might be looking for more uh, Fortnite comments from from me on Leona, but that that's as far as you're going to get me this week. <laughs> you mentioned there, Dave, though, that it's it's a reasonably limited field. I was looking at um, some of the other heavy hitters in the field. Joe Lynn Grant from Sweden. She's the second favorite. She's contended in U.S. Opens over the last few years. Top order of merit. Interestingly, the the top three players on the order of merit. Um, on the ladies European tour are all Swedish given Annika Sorenstam's had so much success over the years previously I'm sure she inspired plenty of, of young girls in, in Sweden to play 
Yeah, no, not only her, like you've got Anna Nordqvist and Suzanne Pedersen, I think, are both uh, Swedish as well. But no, Lynn Grant looks like a serious player. Her swing is is brilliant. She won that mixed event, the Scandinavian mixed, uh, where she shot, I think she won by eight shots, 24 under for the four rounds. And she went on to win another event then in, in August. So she's had a great, she's had a great year. She is, um, she's yeah, herself and Leon, I think, are hovering around the three to one. And then the next third is like 18 or something. So we'll see. It could be a bit, could be a bit of a shootout. I mean, I think that's exactly what everyone probably wants. It'd be great to see the two of them going at it and, you know, maybe a couple others, uh, showing up as well. But, um, yeah, Leona coming in as, uh, as, as a favorite is new, new, uh, kind of territory for her as a, as a pro. It'd be it'd be great to see her do it. Obviously, it's the first uh, women's Irish Open I think in ten years. The last one was at a, a clean castle in I suppose a warm up for the for the Solheim Cup um, around that time. And Katrina Matthew won it. She's come back as the defending champion at, at fifty three years old. So um, it's an interesting interesting one for her. Um, but yeah, I, I saw RTE are showing it as well. They're showing a few hours uh, uh, there uh, throughout the four days. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I've never played Drum Island. I don't know if you lads have, but it looks really nice. Mm. Yeah, I haven't either. Uh, Cooper, I saw there's there's five Irish amateurs in the field as well. Um, I mean, it's going to be, it'll be interesting to see how, how Leona goes out. There's, there's obviously going to be a lot of pressure on her this week. Will she... Will she rise to it or not? We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I was reading one thing during the week. Uh, girl called Aideen Walsh. Uh, I think she's a member down there, or at least she's from Clare. Um, just talking about it, like it's great that they, they have a good few Irish amateurs in the field as well. Um, but like you, you can't really look away from Leo. Like she's won on the LPJ tour. She's top five in a major. Like I, I haven't looked at the odds now at all, but three to one. It does sound like a a, a macro in Italy job, like we were talking about last week. Uh, just clear cut above the field, um, but no, there's a, a, a as far as the uh, the people going down to to watch, there's been a, a really great amount of support. KPMG are really driving it as well as the main sponsors, um, and anyone who's anyone in Irish golf really has been down there. So Brian O'Driscoll is down to pro am today, and uh, a lot of familiar faces from the JP pro am. Um, so it's amazing the support they're getting, and yeah, as you said, Con, first time. First time has been an LET event in Ireland for decades, so hopefully it uh, it doesn't go away for another ten years. Mm. Um, okay, we'll touch on the Presidents Cup. So, to to some people, this probably wouldn't be considered a huge tournament, possibly because of America's dominance over the years. But I was at the last Royal Melbourne back in 2019, and I can tell you, it's it's the real deal. It was so good, and the hype that was absolutely class. Joe, the the US were always going to be the favourites, and um, now that a lot of the international the internationals have lost some of their big dogs to live, um, it's on US soil. Do the internationals have any chance? Do you reckon? I'd love to think so, but uh, I think it's going to be a bit of a landslide victory for the US. There, there's a couple of things you can cling on to here, I suppose, with. You know, it being match play, obviously match play, you know, you take amateur golf, for example, senior cup, like, you know, a six handicap can be at a plus two on his day, you know, just, you know, has a has an unbelievably good day. But you're kind of, not, not to that extent, but you're looking at that across four days, you know, there, there's a huge gulf in the in the kind of strength of these teams. Um, I think they can cling on to as well, I suppose, the... The, the fact that they've no pressure on them, they've no expectation. The US team have all of it, but uh, that'll only get you so far as well. I just think the US have 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 too much too much strength. I think there's just thirty points on offer. So I think if the internationals got within within five, I think that'd be seen as a as a decent result. Just just given you know we talked about it, the average rank of the US team is 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 11.8 or something and the the internationals is is 48 so you know 12 guys over four days it's it's going to be tough for them but uh at the same time looking forward to a couple of like performances from the international like i think tom kim could be could be an interesting one this week he 
definitely seems like a, a confident guy. Obviously got that win uh, there in in, uh, in August. And then Sung Jae-im came third in Tour Championship. So, I mean, Sung Jae-im is someone who, you know, conceivably could win. He's going to play all five, realistically. So conceivably could see him winning, you know, maybe four of them because he's playing really well. You'd you'd put him up there in probably the, the, the top 12. Um, if you were to pick one team up to 24. Um, but yeah, Quail Hollow is an interesting one as well. I think it suits the, the US guys. It's it's kind of big course, seven and a half thousand yards, um, like wide open, rough's not up. Uh, they rerouted the course as well. I don't know if you guys saw that, but the Green Mile, which we know well, 16, 17, 18 finish, uh, the par four with the water left on 16. Obviously, the, the 230 yard 17th, par three over water, and then the 18th, which you know, McElroy had a bit of fun with um, when he uh, won there last time. Uh, that is now, I think, the 16th, the sorry, the 14th, 15th, 16th, um, or in and around that. So they've, because in match play, obviously, there's every chance that matches don't go to the stretch and they're the they're the kind of strongest holes so it'll be it'll be good to have them earlier um and it's a course we know well as well haven't watched you know 2017 jt won there and uh, a couple of pga tour events so um no a couple of a couple of stories couple of interesting kind of you know it's an interesting backdrop and i'm definitely looking forward to it more than like a regular pga tour event I think yeah. I think even you know barring a landslide you know you know it's over by Friday evening for the US um I think it'll be it'll be a decent watch uh over over the weekend Dave Joe mentioned it there like the the US team on paper they've got five players inside the world's top 10 the internationals have exactly zero players in the top 10 of the world Hideki is their highest ranked player 17th uh, they even have Taylor Pendrith, who is ranked 109 in the world. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Like it's it it on paper, it's it's grim reading. Yeah, Joe Joe's done a very admirable job there of making it seem like it's a contest. Um, the US <laughs> are gonna they're 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 gonna blow them out of the water. I mean, it's 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 really it's gonna be the death of the Presidents Cup. I mean, it, it was something that wasn't that competitive to begin with. I mean, there were competitive years where the US ultimately won, but they've only the, the, the international side have only actually won one edition of the President's Cup. And there's been a couple of notable ones. There was the there was the Tide one in 2003 where Tiger and Ernie had the playoff in the dark. But um yeah, no, it's 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 a no contest. It's it's not it, it could be over Saturday. Um I'd love to I'd love to say differently, but it's just the the strength and depth in the in the US side is is insane, and the strength and depth in US golf is unbelievable. I saw something during the week that Jordan Speed is the only remaining survivor of the 2016 US Ryder Cup team. Like it's incredible to think of the turnover that they've experienced over the last like six years, and to have a to have a a squad that's this deep. Like at this point, I mean, think of the players that are going to be on this team that they weren't even heard of in 2016, and what they've done since. I mean. You think of Morikawa, Morikawa, Scheffler, Burns, Finau, Max Homa. I mean, these are all household names. They're multiple winners in the PGA Tour, and now here they are about to dominate the, the poor little internationals uh, in the in the Presidents Cup. It was actually interesting. I caught earlier um, Paul McGinley and Brandel Shamley were talking on the Golf Channel, and I'd actually seen this trotted out a couple of times on Twitter, saying that a possible way to to rejuvenate the the President's Cup will be to split it and have a, a six men, six six women, and have a sort of uh, by gender event. Which actually, when they when you put it out on paper, actually looks far more interesting because the top the all all six international women, if that was the happening right now, will be in the top ten of the world um, in in ladies golf. Um, so, and then if you look at the top ten, uh, or sorry, the top six uh, American women who would be on that team, you you could you end up going down to like I think thirty or, or or further in the world. So that and that that would really be something that would that would attract a lot of attention internationally as well, uh, and could be something that's really worthwhile. But I mean, that's for another day. Um, the US are Joe said that's it would be I think you said it'd be a good result if they got within five points. I think the US are six and a half seven point favorites. You can take the US and the spread. They're they're going to beat the spread and they're going to beat it comfortably. Cooper, you sent in the 
uh, team. So we're, we're recording this on Wednesday night, Irish time, Thursday morning for me here in Melbourne. Like, completely agree with Dave's assessment. I just don't see how the internationals can can even keep in it going into the singles, which is just very disappointing. But the, the teams announced this morning for the opening foursomes. Uh, first match of Hideki and Scott versus Cantley and Xander. Like, obviously Cantley and Xander are, are unbelievable, but Hideki and Scott, like, you can see them doing something. I mean, and that second match, you've Corey Connors and him versus Speed and JT, and you've Tom Kim and KHB versus Morikawa and Cam Young. And then the last match is, is Cam Davis v Siwoo Kim uh, against Sam Burns and Scheffler. Like, there's the one, mentality. Well, there's one, the Pendrith, uh, Mito, and Fina Homa. There's five, yeah, it's 30, 30 points. Okay. Um, like, on an individual match by match basis, they will have to obviously have the mentality that we can win each of these matches and then we'll just add them up at the end. Like, I don't know. When, when I looked at that, I was kind of like, oh, you never know. That first, that first, uh, opening foursomes you never know yeah well match play is match play um i i i totally get that and thankfully i've been on the the right side of beating lads who definitely didn't deserve to back in the college days myself and yourself but it um it, it's it it's just it's like i'm i'm actually looking forward to the tournament like i i can't wait for this i i i know that i I'm, I have a feeling it's going to be an absolute fucking landslide, but I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know why, um, but I think it could have a thing to do with how impressive the US team is. Like the names you named out there, Con, just it's staggering strength in this seemingly kind of um, irrelevant team competition in golf. And you literally have a Ryder Cup, uh, nearly a full strength Ryder Cup team there. Um, what they're going up against is, yeah, it's pretty lackluster like you mentioned uh Pendrith there 109th he's the he's only the second player outside the top 100 to ever play in the President's Cup and the World Cup rankings so like it shows how desperate they are to try and cling on to to something and when you dig into the the rankings again um between this competition and the last um the the teams that have players in the top 15 in the world rankings the US have had 17 the internationals have had none so it shows kind of uh I think if you go back a few years or not even a few years, if you think of the Camp Smith, Mark Leishman's, Adam Scott's from the Oz side, the Ustazens, um, uh, who else from uh, the Schwartzels, Masters winners, like proper golfers from kind of the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, it just it just doesn't seem to be there at the moment, bar obviously Cam Smith and Liv, um, but like, and maybe Ustazen might have played in this as well, but uh, I'm not really going to give out about Liv. Uh, taken into this, Immelman has been very kind of uh, impressive in his interviews, saying these are the twelve lads I'm going to war with. So he's he's kind of deflected it very well throughout the week. But it's um, yeah, I think uh, Dave that that McGinley point um, is is probably and it's nothing to do with Liv because last time this was played, they had no top fifteen pairs in the world. So it's it's, it's still a weak team, and I think the 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 mixed option. Um, because of the international strength on the ladies' side, could really be a viable thing to bring this back into a fair match. Um, it just, yeah, I, I've i been trying to find an angle to bet here, apart from putting the mortgage on fucking the US and hopefully getting a window out of it. But like, it's it, it, like in, from a top, from a top point score perspective, you might look at someone like uh, Tom Kim, to be the top Europe or international point scorer and um, just as a young guy going out there and kind of really going out with the uh, Abraham answer vibes to Australia kind of no fear um, but there's just no angle bar how much are the US going to win by and yeah I think if you were to say 20 plus points over two turn the points available that might be the worst shout in the world but hopefully for the viewers sake it's it's not as it's not as much of a bloodbath as that I'm gonna be watching either. Like like you, I'm 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 pretty excited to just Joe, I think you put it well. You'd be more excited about this than you'd be over a, a standard PGA tour event. So and plus the fact that we, we know Quell Hollow, as you said, Joe, is is good. That kind of helps like frame the, the tournament, I think, when you're actually watching it. 
you can you can get a sense of of some of the holes um but yeah we'll see how we go but we'll well, i think we've run a good bit over here but we'll uh we'll finish up on joe you mentioned it before we we started recording the the u.s midam tell us a bit about that yeah so for anyone that doesn't know first of all this is uh this was played in Aaron hills where brooks kepka won one of his two uh, US Opens and basically the prize at stake, obviously a lot of glory, but uh, first prize give is uh, the winner gets to play the Masters in the US Open next year. So they ended up with uh, two Irish guys battling it out in the, the 36 hole final, uh, Hugh, Hugh Foley and uh, Matthew McLean. So uh, I think McLean was two up through 18. They actually, funny enough, they played the, the first 18 on the Friday. And then they played the concluding 18 on the Saturday, which I've never seen them do uh, before in 36 hole finals. Normally it's just kind of morning lunch and then back out. But um, yeah, McLean had a five, five up lead with six to play. Um, and then I think Foley hit him back with uh, three birdies in a row. So going on to the 34th hole, it was two up to McLean with three to play. And uh, they they halved the the next two holes, and uh, McLean took the took the trophy, and uh, is going to Augusta in, in April, and to uh, LA Country Club for the U.S. Open next June. So uh, incredible, incredible prize, and uh, it's funny the two lads were staying together for the two weeks over there. Really? So I'd say they had a bit of crack now the the Thursday night before the the final started um they they know each other well i think they played the you know the irish internationals together and uh foley's had a had a quality year i think we mentioned on the on the pod he won the the north and south back to back there during the summer and lost the the irish close final to uh that guy quinton crew um so he's uh he's had a pretty pretty good year himself but uh phenomenal yeah what a prize I can't believe I missed it. So the, the mid amateur is for players, is it over 30? I don't know the exact qualifying, but I think it might be I think it might be over 25 in the US because I think I'm pretty sure those guys are under 30. I'd say it's designed to take out the collegiate guys because they're all yeah. on the you know route to pro, but you know, I I don't know that for a fact. Um but that guy Stuart Hagstead, I saw was playing, he's you know, you, you see him uh featuring a lot of the, the amateur events he's in his kind of late 30s by the way he shot 59 in an amateur event there last weekend as well i don't know if don't know if you saw it. he li- lipped out for 58. <laughs> crazy yeah imagine being disappointed with a 59. um does the guy foley does he does he get anything so we, we said mclean gets into masters and oh, McLean. No, I guess no, he doesn't. Yeah, you're kind of referring to what is it? The U.S. Amateur, you get the runner-up gets the U.S. Open, I think. Yeah. No, no, he only gets um automatic qualification to U.S. Am next year, so it's quite a it's quite a drop. Um, but hopefully McLean has him on the bag uh, at Augusta, so that that'd be a consolation prize, just being able to go. I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, we are we're way over actually this week. So uh, we'll have to leave it there, lads. That's it for another week of Unplayable. We will catch you next time.